All right. Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. You are listening to the only actual father on this podcast. That is me, Trey Stinky Fingers Jose, a.k.a. Too Early with a Victory Lapse, all that kind of good stuff. Today, I am joined by Tyler Big Irby Erbach. How you doing, man? What is going on? Back in person for first time in, what, three months? Yeah, for the first Something. time. Basically all season. We've been doing this remotely for a while, so it's nice to be back in person. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Yeah, we are back in person recording together. We are still missing Jimbo James Dreer. He should uh, hopefully be rejoining us soon, but he's very busy doing uh, adult stuff, adulting around, and um, just adulting in general. But in this episode, obviously we're talking about the Week 12 Wave of Wire pickups. But before we dive into all that, let's just do the formalities. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at the FF Fathers. Interact with us on there. We'd love to give you advice if you're interested, and uh, we're all about that kind of stuff. And wherever you're listening to us, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us five stars if you're feeling frisky about it. Uh, if you're not going to give us five stars, as I usually say, uh, just fuck off and don't even do it. So, yeah. Uh, so let's dive into the Week 12 waiver Wire pickups. But before we do that, we got a couple things to talk about. First of all, there's no teams on bye this week. We were talking about that before the podcast. Pretty interesting. No teams on bye during Thanksgiving week. Yeah, we are, I was a little confused by that because like, there's buys on 13 and 14. Why not just move everything back a week but being on thanksgiving it does make sense for the players they are still technically employees they want to make it kind of equal for all players to have to play on thanksgiving so that makes sense it had the weird little revelation after talking about for probably 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) longer than that yeah we're definitely bullshitting for a while before this (laughs) so yeah, no one, no one's on by this week in week twelve, which is interesting. Which means you're probably not really struggling for waiver wire pickups. But if you are this late in the season and your team is struggling, you're definitely looking for waiver wire pickups. There's certainly a couple injuries that's going to make you dig for waiver wires. Exactly, and that leads us into the the injuries that happened during week eleven. The first one we're going to talk about is Justin Fields. He did leave the game late in the fourth quarter. He was carted off with a shoulder injury, and before that, it did seem like he was dealing with a slight leg injury. He only ran the ball one time in the second half, uh, which was a big change from the first half. The Bears do have a bye week in Week 13, so I don't think it's out of the question that they choose to rest him and let him fully recover if this injury is serious with his shoulder. Just let him rest in Week 12, get Week 13 off also, and then come back in Week 14. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, waiver wire wise, it's not like you're going to pick up their backup quarterback who Trevor Simeon. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it did come out today that Justin Fields said that it was a shoulder dislocation. So you know they popped it back into place, and he continued to play through through most of the game. Uh, finally coming out again in the fourth quarter. Uh, he's considered day to day at the moment. Um, so you know, take that with it. However you want to, day-to-day. He's a quarterback. I can't... Does anyone know if it's on his right or left shoulder? I don't know if it's his throwing arm or not. I I personally have no idea. Either way, it looked pretty serious. I mean, to get carted off with a shoulder injury. Well, he was carted off from the sideline, right? He, was he actually carted off the field itself? I thought they just carted him after he went to the sideline. Yeah, these are things you're supposed to know, not me. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're the genius here. Uh, um... Yeah, I honestly, I do not know. But if you're carted off with a shoulder injury, I would imagine that it's pretty serious because obviously your lower extremities still work and you were carted off the field. So, quarterbacks get special treatment. Well, why don't you dive into that while I just do a couple real quick other injuries? Uh, Mike Williams re aggravated his previous ankle injury. Big surprise to uh, nobody who actually pays attention to Mike Williams. Very injury prone. And it's unfortunate. But it wouldn't be surprised if he missed uh, a, a few weeks here coming up, and it looks like you might have found the answer to Justin Fields' shoulder injury. Yeah, it was a it was his left shoulder, so it was his non throwing shoulder. Obviously, a very good thing. Um, so right now, the status for the game on Sunday is unclear. They are listing him as day to day, but being the non throwing shoulder, that certainly gives you a little more hope that he will be able to play on Sunday. 
And that's kind of the story of a lot of injuries that we have this week. Uh, things can be serious. They might not be serious. We don't really have a, a definite explanation for a lot of these injuries we're going to talk about. Um, so yeah, definitely keep an eye on Justin Fields. And it looks like Mike Williams is going to miss some time in the next few weeks as he re-aggravated his ankle injury. But Kyle Pitts, his season might be over. It, they did announce today, actually. He, he's done for this. They're putting him down for the season. Oh, they're putting, putting him, him putting him out. <laughs> putting him down for the season sounds terrible. Putting down that pit bull, yeah. So uh, I, I assume he did tear his MCL then. Um, they are calling it just a sprain right now, but he was looking for a second opinion. But I think it's more like it's a lost season. So why even bother? Uh, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. It did come out later today. MCL tear. Yeah. Initially reported as a as a sprain. So yeah, done for the year. I mean. Not that that matters a ton to most fantasy owners because he's been pretty awful most of the season, um, even though you'd probably draft him in like the fifth round, which is super frustrating. But uh, yeah, done for the year. Hopefully, you know, um, I would say in a dynasty league, you're still happy to hold on to him, throw him into an IR spot and, you know, bring him back next season. But all uh, all their leagues, you know, he's, he's done, drop him, no point keep holding on to him. Yep, yeah, you said it perfectly. And if he's out, you know, if you're looking for a tight end to fill in for you, Foster Moreau is a good one. If he hasn't already picked up in your leagues, uh, Greg Dulcich, someone who's very hit or miss, but another tight end who's pretty involved in the Broncos' offense. I want to look at those guys. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a high ankle sprain, which, as we know uh, from this podcast, definitely over the last year and a half, usually takes about four to six weeks to recover from which might take him out of your lineup pretty much the rest of the fantasy season. Not that he was very relevant before that, but he is suffering from a high ankle sprain. And he, you know, as far as fantasy goes, he's probably going to be out for the rest of the year. And Isaiah Pacheco is already emerging in that backfield. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire basically uh, scratch him out for the rest of the year is what I would say. And it looks like Wandale Robinson tore his ACL. The New York Giants, which already have probably the worst wide receiver room in the league, uh, continue to have the worst wide receiver room in the league because they lost Wondell Robinson after he had a 100-plus yards last week, something like that, basically one of his best games in his career. So they're struggling. In my opinion, I'm not really looking at the Giants offense no. for anyone. I mean, obviously, Robinson's a very promising young player. Um, he's... A type of guy you can use in a lot of different ways. So hopefully he can come back, you know, next season and and produce for you. But it's yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone within the receiving, you know, uh, group over there will will you know step up and be kind of like the number one guy. But his passing off has been so erratic most of the year. You can't bank on anybody actually doing that. So um, it could literally change on every week. Yeah, definitely dart throw over in New York. So. Um... Yeah, horrible receiver room just gets even more depleted. The last injury we're going to talk about is going to be Kadarius Tony Injured his hamstring, as he has many times this year already. And last. Yep, it's, it's basically the story of his career so far, injuring his hamstring. There's no recovery timetable that has been released. So, uh, as far as Kadarius Tony goes, you know, obviously now he is on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, there's no uh no optimism <laughs> fantasy football wise, right? I mean somewhere someone has to step up. Um I I know that either Juju and Nicole might have already been ruled out for, for week left for week twelve. Um it looks like Juju's still up in the air. Let me double check Nicole. I'm pretty sure he's definitely ruled out. Yeah, I mean, there's right now they're reporting that Miko is likely to return in 2022, so sometime this season. Uh, being week 12 is is gonna be slim, so that means Juju coming back will be a big boon because obviously he's one, the one guy that's actually shown to give you some consistency, pl- consistent play out of out of the receiving corpse here in Kansas City. But <laughs> you and, always say corpse, it kills me. Yeah, because <laughs> it but, is a corpse. <laughs> I like you know the Marine corpse. You know that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's the core, dude. But it's the abbreviation C O R P S, so Yeah, but the P is silent. Well, that's stupid. Well, they also die, but that's a different story. Okay, so <laughs> Thank you. Cor- Th- thank you to all the <laughs> to all the service men and women out there. 
We don't want to <laughs> offend anybody that way. We love our country, and uh, we salute all you guys that you know keep us safe. So yeah, Veterans Day was recently. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean the receiving group. Someone's got to step up. Obviously, we will talk about one of them a little later here in the episode. I don't want to spill the beans on that quite yet, but someone's got to step up here. You know, honestly, I think that's a good transition for us to just dive into it. Do it. Okay, so let's talk about what we're here for anyways. The waiver wire ads after we talk about the injuries. We were just talking about the Chiefs receiving core. Might as well just do it right now. All right, get it. Sky Moore. Only rostered in 17% of leagues, had his career best five catches for six, uh, five catches on six targets for 63 yards last week. Granted, this was with MVS, Miko Hardman, and Juju Smith Schuster missing the game. I think MVS played a little bit. <laughs> well, basically, it was, you know, a very depleted receiving core. Yeah. And we already talked about, you know, it looks like there are a couple of questionable players for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward next week. I'm glad to bring this person up because me and you love him. Yes. Yes, we do. He's been the worst, like, pockmart on our resume this entire season, probably. Yeah, definitely our biggest miss as far as preseason takes go. But, you know, things finally happened. Uh, not much. I mean, if you're in a half EPR league, this is 9.3 points or maybe like nine points that you got from him. But Skymore does look promising, and if this receiving core does look injured moving forward, how do you feel about Sky Moore? Let's just be honest. I know we love him, but <laughs> I mean, with the injuries to the to the rest of the you know wide receiver room here, I would think he's obviously gonna have more opportunity. I think his biggest problem is he did play at Western Michigan, so it wasn't against you know guys of NFL caliber usually. Um, you know, it's not a power five school by any means. So I think his, you know, adapting to the NFL game has taken longer than I think we both expect because obviously we love his tape. And there was always that concern, even coming out of college, that like you are playing, you know, lesser competition. And so going to the NFL might be a hard transition. Some guys can do it, some guys can't. Um, I think Sky Moore still can. It just is taking a little longer than we expected. So as long as injuries are happening, you know, me, Cole, MVS, Juju, whenever they all come back. Um, I think you can roster Sky more. I'm not immediately throwing him into my lineup. I think he's worth a roster spot. If you're in a dynasty league, I hope he's already rostered because that would be ridiculous if he isn't. Because he's I think he's still gonna be a stud in this league. Um, you know, after a couple of seasons of, you know, getting the NFL game under his belt, not to mention the rapport he can build with Patty Mahomes, you know, in the offseason. Yeah, I'm totally with you, obviously, because we both agree that we love Sky more. And like, moving forward, this is someone who you might throw into your flex. Maybe. I think but it's going to be based off of what the injuries are. Like, I mean, the second that Miko comes back, that Juju's off the... When both Miko and Juju are back, for sure, it's going to be really hard to throw Sky more into any lineup um, because there's just going to be very few opportunities for him. But I think as long as, you know, one of them is out, there's... There's, it's a high-risk play, but it might be w- worth one throwing out there that could get you you know, a W one one week when he goes for you know, 17, 18 points when he's only expected to get six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone definitely keep your eye on someone you want to have rostered. And you can't forget forget the fact that Kadarius Tony is on the roster, but his hamstring is injured as always. I'm, I'm sure Kad- Kadarius is going to be out for at least a week. I mean, this is... The hamstring injury, it'd be one thing if it's one leg. Like, okay, dude, like, let's like figure out how to heal this up. But it's both hamstrings. It's like it switches back and forth. It's one of those things like, what is he doing wrong in training? Because I feel like there's something that they need to do to strengthen the hamstring, strengthen another muscle, the reason why that's like constantly being pulled. There's something that's being um, just used. There's a, something happening with like within his muscles that's being used too much. Versus too little for the other muscles. Like, it's not all a cohesive unit. Something's happening there, and that's going to be something that you probably can't do until the offseason where the training, you know, team can get in there and be like, okay, let's strengthen this to, you know, help make up for it. But something's got to happen. Otherwise, this kid who is insanely talented, I mean, God, did you hear about all the reports coming out of the practice room last week? The Chiefs were saying, like, this kid's Uh. talent makes your head spin. They're talking about, like, this kid can do things you've never seen on a football field. 
but he can't stay on the damn football field to make a difference. Uh, what's what's that saying that's escaping my mind right now? Oh yeah, <clears throat> the best ability is availability. Yeah. So obviously he's not available ever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely someone to keep your eye on. You know, Sky Moore, uh, a lot of promise, especially in dynasty leagues, like as you said earlier. Um, definitely a lot of promise moving forward. This year, maybe not someone you might throw in your flex at some point. <clears throat> but let's talk about Samaj P. Ryan. God, this is a name that we bring up. Um, we brought up quite a few times on our podcast over, you know, since we started about, you know, a year and a half ago. He's only rostered in 5.8% of leagues. Obviously, his value comes when Joe Mixon is not playing. Joe Mixon did exit the game in the second quarter with a concussion. And after that happened, Samaj P. Ryan scored three touchdowns in the Bengals' win over Pittsburgh. And concussion protocol can be pretty iffy. So if Joe Mixon somehow doesn't clear concussion protocol this week, Samaj P. Ryan seems like a pretty good play. And if I remember right, you know, when Samaj P. Ryan does get a good amount of work, he tends to do pretty well. So, so this is someone you should really be looking at this week, especially as a running back fill-in, which the running back situation this year has been very, very thin. So as far as waiver wires go, this might be like one of your top targets this week. Um, You, you just got to go for him. You know, someone when, you know, when if he gets more than 10 carries, he's definitely getting double-digit points. Last year, he only had double-digit carries two times, had double-digit points. Uh, two years ago, he had double-digit carries three times, had double-digit points twice. And I might be saying that in a confusing way. But basically, <laughs> if he touches the ball more than 10 times, he's a worthy starting running back. He's going to put up 10-plus points for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm reaching back into like 2019 now. Which, before 2020, he never touched the ball more than 10 times. But every time, so we're talking five times he's touched the ball in a game more than 10 times. And four out of those five times, he was a starting running back. So, seems like he is a pretty good candidate this week to be your top waiver wire pickup. He's one of the top handcuffs in the league. Like, he should be in that, that you know, talk of, with, like, Alexander Madison and guys of that nature where if... I'm surprised, his, honestly, his ownership is so low because of the handcuff there. I had Joe Mixon a couple of leagues this season, and I had P. Ryan on... I bet he's riding the bench all season, but I don't care because the second I knew that if Mixon does get hurt, even though he's been a pretty reliable back uh, for most of his career in terms of when it comes to injury, I want that guy I can immediately plug in, especially in an offense that's is as explosive as Cincinnati. So it's crazy his roster percentage is that low, and he'll probably end up being a very you know high waiver wire um, addition this week. And obviously that's you're, you're playing. It's like playing the lottery there because you don't know if Mixon will be back or not. And the second if Mixon is a is healthy, he's gonna get a full go. He just is. That's the way this offense works. But if he's not, all of a sudden you got a guy who. You know, you probably have already studs starting, and now you get another guy to throw in there. That's gonna probably that's gonna get you, you know, twelve to fifteen points, almost without question. Yeah, I totally agree with you um, about everything. I think the interesting point is the fact that Samaj so P. Ryan. I never really thought about this myself. Obviously, you have because he's rostered in your leagues, uh, being a very valuable handcuff. And I, I'm just now realizing that he is. You know, when Joe Mixon's out, Samaj P. Ryan definitely takes advantage. He does. I mean, he... I love to bring up the story. There's a story back when he was in college. I think, where'd he go to college? He went to Oklahoma, where somehow, way, like, he was... It was late at night. He was walking back to, like, his dorm or his house, and there was somebody trying to change a tire on their car, and the jack slipped, and so now the car's on the ground, and I have no way of getting the jack back underneath it. And Samaj P. Ryan apparently came up, grabbed the wheel well, and lifted this motherfucking car to get the jack back underneath it. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit on that, but that's a cool story. Hey, uh, whether <laughs> there's probably some truth to it, though. Like, I bet you there's a little bit of truth. It's not like he's a superhero where he, like, it's not like he lifted the car off the ground completely, but he lifted enough of the car off the ground to get the jack back underneath it. 
Yeah, well, with three tires on the ground, I can see it happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, depending on the car, though, like you know, even a small car, you're still talking about a single person lifting, basically, you know, trying to deadlift something that's you know, five to like eight hundred pounds, uh, like a quarter of a car, you know. I need to know which car this was, because if it was a Honda Civic, <laughs> it's still impressive. But if it was like a full size truck, okay. Uh, well, that's one. <laughs> different. I'm just saying, I don't think it was a truck, but I'm not saying it was a fucking smart car either. Okay. Yeah. Either way, apparently this happened. I don't believe you. I need to see the link, and uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next guy while you look up this story on the internet and see if you can find a car. Dude, it's one of the first thing that pops up. Before you even say this, I need to know what website that pops up. Two, 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 uh, <laughs> 247 Sports and ESPN. There's actually a lot of different. Okay, so he did do it. Yeah. Because they literally call it like ESPN, NBC Sports. All these guys picked it up. Okay, so Samaji P. Ryan's uh, strong as fuck and a great, sh- uh, a great cuff, <laughs> apparently. Things I'm realizing uh, tonight <laughs> for the first time. Things that you apparently have been knowing and keeping under your, uh, whatever, up your sleeve. We just never had a chance to really talk about Samaj because Joe Mixon, like I said, he's a very reliable back when it comes to injuries. He's very rarely hurt or misses games. So you don't bring him up often. But yeah, I mean, he was a late round draft pick. If I got Joe Mixon anywhere, I made sure to pick up P. Ryan. That's a good point. He's lifting up cars. He's lifting up your fantasy <laughs> hopes if you have a running back that's down right now. That is uh, very interesting. I'll keep that in mind when I make my waiver wire pickups is, uh, you know, tonight and tomorrow night. Put my fab in. Let's talk about the next player, though. Latavius Murray. We've been talking about him for three weeks now. Uh, maybe even longer. God damn. Like oh, much four longer. or five weeks. Yeah. yeah. Much bigger now, though. Holy crap. Yeah, things have changed tremendously, and if you got in on the Latavius Murray sweepstakes early, congratulations to you, because it seems like you're in a good spot. Right now, he's only rostered in 28.4% of leagues, according to Fantasy Pros, which is across multiple uh, fantasy apps, so obviously keep that in mind. It was released today, which if you're listening on Tuesday, which means yesterday, Denver released Melvin Gordon. Uh, I think the only explanation is the his fumbling issue. The fact that he's lost the ball five times in like I think the last five games. Uh, it, it's been he, well known. He's fumbling once every eighteen carries, and that has to be the reason. But yeah, it's the only reason. It right? has to be the reason. You know, the fumbling issue was not a secret. We've been talking about it for weeks now, especially when Latavius Murray was initially signed. Uh, I think to their practice squad or something like that. Yeah, he was. Re- well, he was. In New Orleans, he was on their practice squad when Alvin Kamara first got hurt. They brought they promoted him, and then after being in New Orleans, I think on the actor roster for one week, that's when yeah. uh, they picked the Broncos traded for him. Right, and this contain this situation continues to get juicier. You know, uh, so Melvin Gordon's out of the picture in a traditional um, committee backfield back when Javante Williams was healthy with Melvin Gordon. So that means Latavius Murray now has to compete with Chase Edmonds. But it, he is set, Chase Edmonds is set to miss a lot of time with a high ankle sprain, like we talked about earlier, usually four to six week recovery. So it looks like right now Latavius Murray is a feature back in an NFL offense. And I don't care how bad this offense is, they're definitely a lower tier offense. If you have a feature back in an offense, you got to roll with them. Yep. So Latavius Murray, 28.4% rostered gotta try to get your hands on this guy no yeah i mean if he's not rostering your league he's gonna be probably i would put latavius murray at this point in a higher bracket than samaj p ryan because there's a there's a decent chance that joe mixon does come back but latavius murray's the guy now um not to mention the only other running back on the roster right now is marlon mack who's also been out with injury they think he'll be back for week 12 to be the primary backup but i mean that's still up in the air so you're talking about latavius murray is the only answer right now in denver yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, um, uh, forgive me, uh, Marlon Mack. Dealing with I, know, the, I know that's your boy. Yeah, yeah. I love Marlon Mack recovering from that Achilles injury, which we talked about plenty of times on this podcast. Very few running backs have recovered from that. And apparently he's dealing with other injuries. So Latavius Murray, looking forward, um, 
especially if you're in a good spot to move into the fantasy playoffs, this is someone you want to have in your squad. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Denver's the third team Mac has been on this season. Um, I don't know about that. Don't, don't. He was in San Francisco, was on the practice squad, and then got promoted to the active roster for like a couple of weeks and then went back and got picked up elsewhere. But I think he was on a team before San Francisco picked him up. Nah, so the return of the Mac um, will probably not ever happen. <laughs> he's not. He's not exactly busting down the doors here. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's a horrible return of the Mac. Return uh, of the Mac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> return of the Mac. <laughs> so let's talk about another running back, Cam Akers. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this guy, but whatever. Uh, surprisingly, rostered in more leagues than Latavius Murray, which means people are dumb. Thirty-five point three percent rostered. Um, he did have his best game of the season. I failed to write these things down, but you know, I think he had like 60 yards and about 12 carries, something like that. 14 carries and 61 yards. And Daryl Henderson is dealing with a knee injury. Right. So moving forward, like, um, well, who's the rookie behind them? Uh, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. So is Kyron Williams not getting no touches? What's going on with that? Uh, he got eight touches. He's also been hurt all season. The, uh, he's only been active for the last two weeks. Right. So in the first week back, he had one carry for nine yards, three targets, three catches for 30 yards. That was with Henderson mm. playing and Cam Akers. And then this last week with Daryl Henderson, he said he felt something in his knee felt weird before the game started. And so he only played no. four snaps total. Um, and that's why Cam Akers got 14 carries. Kyron Williams had seven carries himself for 36 yards, so a five-yard average. Got two targets in the past game, caught mm-hmm. catching one of them for eight yards. So, with that being said, hopefully his uh, his injury history isn't going to hold him back. It should be also noted, Kyron Williams also outsnapped Cam Akers, fifty five percent versus thirty nine percent. Ooh! So and- even though Akers did get more work, still Kyron Williams outsnapped him. So there's something about Kyron Williams I think they trust more in terms of probably pass blocking things of that nature. Um, he was, I think, a fifth-year senior at Notre Dame. Well, we liked Cameron or Kyron Williams in mm-hmm. um our preseason running back rankings. I liked him a lot. He's a, I I love the way he runs. He's a hard-nosed runner. He he's always one of those guys that falls for. But on top of that, too, the dude's a leader. I mean, he was the guy that Notre Dame always rallied around when you know he was the guy talking to the team. Right? If it wasn't the coach, it was Kyron Williams. He's like that emotional leader. He's the one who gets the, who kind of rallies the troops, and from what we've seen so far in Cam Akers' career, uh, he's not that guy. Cam Akers is not the guy to rally the troops. He's not that emotional leader. He's not really a leader at all. Uh, he kind he tries to kind of deflect blame. Is what I've seen so far in his career, whereas Kyron Williams might be a guy that like the team can kind of can you know rally behind and be like hey you know let's let's do something here because obviously the Rams have had a terrible season. Yeah, and, and looking forward, I, I think I am more interested in Kyron Williams than Cam Akers. This this one little one-off game where he had 60 yards, like, who gives a shit, honestly? <laughs> if we're being honest, it just doesn't seem like something I would uh, rely on or anything like that. I mean, the whole Cam Akers thing is still weird to me. It seems so weird that, like, him and Sean McVay and the team were at such odds that it was literally being reported that Cam Akers would not come back to the team. He had played his last down for the Rams. And then three weeks later, they're like mending the relationship. And it seemed to have come out of nowhere because all the reports were like, this is not happening. Like, like, Cam, like Cam Akers was like, I'm not playing for them. And Sean McVay was like, he's not playing for me. And now they're like, kumbaya. I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm totally with you on that one because, you know, it seemed like he was definitely in the doghouse and now he's not. It wasn't in the doghouse. They literally, like, kicked him out of the yard. They're like, leave. We don't want you here no more. I'm looking back at our preseason running back rankings and for rookies, preseason running back rankings, uh, you had Kyron Williams as your number three. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I I liked Kyron. I loved his tape. I just... And it wasn't just what he showed on the field. It was the intangibles, like I said, of what he does off the field for the team. 
And to be fair, you were just about spot on with the the running backs for uh, rookies. You know, Brees Hall was your number one. Kenny Walker was your number two. Uh, Brees Hall was on a tear before he got injured. Number three is Kyron Williams. He was four, hurt. He, he had he, he had to work his way into the system here. Yep, yeah, it's taking a second. And uh, number four is James Cook, and number five is Isaiah Spiller, who is obviously still trying to work his way into that system. But obviously, he's behind Austin Eckler, and he's been hurt a bunch this year too. Isaiah Spiller's barely been active. Mm-hmm. And James Cook looks pretty good, and we're going to talk about him at one point in this yep. episode. He's looking better every week. Yep, he's definitely looking better. So let's talk about, uh, let's move on to receivers. Demarcus Robinson, Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, former Kansas State Chiefs wide receiver, only rostered in 2.3% of the leagues. And two of his last three games, he has eight targets. Looks to be the receiver who's going to be taking over the um, number one receiving role in Baltimore, which isn't really much lucrative, but can be at times. Um, this all happened, obviously, after Rashad Bateman's season-ending injury. So Demarcus Robinson, someone to be looking for, maybe throwing your flex uh, the next couple of weeks. How do you feel about that? Dude, this passing offense is just so... It's so hard to predict because at one point, Devin Duvernay looked like the same type of guy that they thought that DeMarcus Robinson looked like now. Yeah, to me, it's a dart throw between those two. But, I mean, with it being said, Duvernay last four games has had a total of 10 targets. So that's not great, but at the beginning of the year, even like when, um, when, Bateman, when, yeah, when Bateman was playing, he was even getting a decent amount of targets, and when Bateman first went out, mm-hmm. Duvernay had 17 tar- targets in over three games, and all of a sudden, he just nothing. And now it's Robinson. I mean, it's so hard to just to figure out how this offense is going and who's the, you know, who's the primary pass catcher behind obviously Mark Andrews. Um, it's hard to say. Obviously, it's a flyer, and you're not you might not necessarily be like immediately trying to throw him into your lineup. But I think yeah, I mean it's hard to say for him not to be rostered at this point. You know, in the last like you said in the last three games, he has a total of twenty one targets. Uh, has almost 200 yards in those three games. Like, there's something that's working here. Um, that I kind of feel like when it's when you see this kind of stuff, like you're gonna see his offense expand on. They want to use him more because he's playing so well right now. So he should certainly be rostered. I don't think I'm jumping immediately into throwing into my flex or into my lineup, but definitely rostered. Yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of like the Chiefs wide receivers. Really, yeah. Uh, yeah, the tight end is so dominant, and you really can't tell which wide receiver is going to be good. Yeah, it's super tough every week. I mean, it's a guessing game, really, especially when Kansas City now with Juju. Juju's like the one guy in Kansas City you're like, I started to put my stamp on. You know, like he he's getting it done week in, week out. Mm-hmm. And now who knows what's happening over there. Yeah, definitely a toss-up there. Uh, if you want to take a risk, Demarcus Robinson, probably available in your leagues, 2.3% rostered. So uh, a widely available receiver who is getting decent amount of work lately. Definitely a dart throw, though. Let's talk about Traylon Burks, someone we loved uh, across the board on this podcast. Me, you, and Jimbo, we all love Traylon Burks. Only rostered in 21.4% of leagues. Um, That's probably due to his injury taking him out for most of the year with him not being rostered right now. But he finally had his breakout game. You know, he had seven catches on eight targets with 116 yards against the Green Bay defense, which is number 11 yards. Is it 111? Yeah. Yeah, I'd throw five in there just for fun, you know? <laughs> Gets an extra five just because uh, his name is Trey Lawn. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, Green Bay's defense isn't really a slouch. They're not the worst, they're not the best. Definitely a respectable defense. So I think um, moving forward, we talked about this plenty of times, though. The, the Tennessee Titans' offense does not pass the ball very well. So it's hard to rely on a receiver in that offense. I I, I imagine they they pass two hundred yards against Green Bay, but what what is that now? Maybe three times all year they pass two hundred yards. Um, fourth, and they went the first time they went over three hundred yards though. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we're finally getting somewhere. Eleven weeks into the season. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean it's um, how do you feel about Traylon Brooks? Obviously a lot of talent, but moving forward it. It's not not someone I personally can rely on to put in my lineup. Yeah, I can't rely on him. It's 
Very interesting, though. Like, the last two weeks against relatively good defenses, especially against the pass. Denver, for sure. Denver's actually the number one defense against the pass, which they played um, the week before Green Bay. And Green Bay is not a slouch against the pass. They haven't been as good as advertised as we thought they were going to be coming into the season. But they're still, they're not awful. And the last two weeks have been the two best games they've had throwing the ball. So I don't know if there's something else just kind of starting to click here, that they're figuring something out, or if they're an anomaly. It's hard to say for sure. So mm-hmm. when it comes to Burks, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I would, you know, I'd be willing to roster him. I'm not willing to throw into my lineup because I have this worry that he immediately comes back around and turns into a pumpkin and he puts up two points next week. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And uh, just to talk a little bit, little bit of shit. Uh, the De- <laughs> you mean the Denver Broncos defense that allowed Devontae Adams to be wide open uh, on their mm-hmm. first defensive possession in overtime against the Raiders? Are you really trying to gloat about beating the just lowly Denver Broncos right now in overtime? It's a win for the Raiders, so yeah, I have to. <laughs> It's the only hey, you know what though? That win for the Raiders, a win for the Seahawks. That draft pick's looking nicer every fucking week, baby. Yeah, there we go. So you guys get a better draft pick and the Raiders win, and I don't have to be depressed on Sunday. So it's a win for <laughs> win win for both of us. <laughs> Let's talk about Donovan Peoples Jones. Um we have been floating his name around. He's actually probably one of the highest rostered players on this episode, with forty one point six percent rostered in leagues. But uh, here's an interesting stat for you. He now has at least four catches and 61 yards in five straight games. He finally scored a touchdown, which we've talked about plenty of times. His usage is great, but we need the touchdowns. He finally got a touchdown last week, and Deshaun Watson is set to return next week. I don't know how much that really changes the offense. I, I personally, I am not one of those guys who's high on Deshaun Watson coming around the Browns and really changing everything. He hasn't played football in two years. That's what I'm saying. But if there is a slight chance that Deshaun Watson does return to his, you know, past level of performance. Which is pretty damn close to MVP level. Right. So what we're seeing right now is, you know, uh, obviously Amara Cooper is a must start every week. He's a top 12 receiver with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. If Deshaun Watson comes in and is able to overperform Jacoby Brissett, I think that does move Donovan Peoples-Jones into a very good position because the passing game does increase if the performance increases at quarterback. I am honestly super iffy about that. I am not high on that. I do not really have faith in Deshaun Watson, but I could be more than wrong. So if Deshaun Watson does come back and he does perform great, DPJ could be a great value. Yeah, and I'm with you there, when, especially when it comes to all the Deshaun Watson stuff. It's been two years since he's played real football. Don't give me anything he's doing on his own, because he hasn't even been able to practice with the team until the last two weeks. So I understand he's had the entire season now to learn the playbook and all of that, but playing against live defenses is not the same as it is in practice, regardless of who you have out there. I don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see how that's going to happen. Um, and even then, Stefanski came out today and said, I understand that you know this week we obviously it's Brissett, and that's how we're preparing. And he doesn't know what's going to happen next week. Now, I'm going to say it's bullshit because you're paying Deshaun Watson almost $300 million. Yep. So yep. if he's back, you're playing him. Um, you let's not. I think it was two hundred sixty million total. I think it was fully guaranteed. That's the one thing. It's a fully mm-hmm. guaranteed contract. You are playing Deshaun Watson. Doesn't matter what the hell you want to do. If you even even the first you think Jacoby Brissett gives you a better uh chance of winning, ownership's gonna come down. And be like hell no. Yep, exactly. I have paid this dude so much money. Granted, I know he had to forfeit all these checks these checks because it was a suspension you're paying him too damn much money mm-hmm. to not throw him out there it just it's the way it is so yep. i agree with you i don't know how that works out but donovan people excuse me donovan people's jones gives you a very nice floor um i mean the you said four catches and 60 yards in five straight games is that what you said yeah, that, that's the least. Yeah, so we're talking even in half PPR, 8.1 points. Yeah. 
that's a really nice floor, especially for a flex player. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. The chances of Deshaun Watson coming back and elevating the offense as a whole, and I think with him personally, it could be an easier transition because you have such a good running game there as well. So you can rely. You don't have to, you know, throw him into the, like the the shark tank and let him get eaten alive right away. You can rely still on Nick Chubb, you know, being the focal point of your offense and letting Deshaun Watson get the easy raids off of play action. So I think it could be an easier transition, but I'm I'm with you. I'm not sold on that. With that, yeah. and with all that being said, Donovan Peoples Jones, I'm sur- I mean, a little higher rostered percentage for what we normally talk about here, but I agree with you. He should be rostered in many, much higher percentage than he is right now. Yeah. I mean, I think he should be well over 80%. That floor is just too good. I mean, you're talking about eight points from your flex every single week, like almost guaranteed so far in the last half of this season. That's too easy. Yep. yep I totally agree with you. And. I'll just be honest. In a selfish way, I just hope Deshaun Watson goes out there and just holy shits the bed. It'd be, uh, it'd be the most like Browns thing to do if Deshaun Watson comes back and just isn't even close to the player he was before. This is a team who has not hit on quarterback um, in any of our since lifetimes. Since ninety-one, since literally so, since the since they became back as an expansion team when our something the owner moved the team to Baltimore and became the Ravens. Yeah, see, now we're reaching into the past. We might or, I'm, sorry. About... I'm sorry, they became the Colts. I'm sorry, they became the Colts. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're going so far in the history books, we might as well, might as well talk about the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> like, like who signed what and did random things. Anyways, yeah. let's talk about it real quick, because uh, we are talking about him. Deshaun Watson, um, surprisingly, rostered in 42% of the leagues already. People are expecting that. Yeah. And it's gone up steadily in the last few weeks. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can expect that to continue to rise, obviously, from what his past performance was before he stopped playing football. Very, very worthy. But we'll see if he returns to that level of play. So, obviously, he's going to come back in week 13. If you're struggling at quarterback, I personally would say roster him at quarterback. You, you kind of have to. You're forced to if you don't have a good quarterback. Agreed. And that's all I'll speak on because we just basically the entire time talking about Donovan People Jones on Deshaun Watson. So let's oh, move yeah. on. Yeah, let's keep on moving. Jamison Williams, someone that we talked about quite a bit in this uh, offseason as far as rookie wide receivers. He's owned in 19% of leagues. He has officially been designated to finally return from, you know, uh, I'm not really sure what it is, the IR or the PUP list. Well, he went from the PUP to the IR because the PUP list only goes to week eight. Okay, so yeah, so he w- started off on the PUP list, ended up on the IR. Either way, he was injured from, you know, his college season, and he's finally returning. Could play his first game very soon, someone you want to keep an eye on. And with this Lions offense, you know, if TJ Hawkinson was still there, I would be iffy about giving this guy attention. But obviously, TJ Hawkinson is not. So, you know, we have Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and if DeAndre Swift was healthy and an impact on this offense, I would worry about him. But how do we feel about Jamison Williams moving forward? I mean, obviously, like the upside plays there. Obviously, this is more of a dynasty pickup if he's not already. He, I would assume he in dynasty. He he should has be, to be. He should be on someone's IR in dynasty. If he's not, snatch him up as quickly as you can because mm-hmm. um, that's ridiculous and not rostered. Uh, but it should be said, even though he's practicing this week, they they're the Lions. They're playing on Thursday. They're playing on Thanksgiving. He's not playing this week. I can promise you that. That's not happening. Um, yeah, I can see that. If you're in a redraft league, in all honesty, I'm not caring what Jamison Williams up this week. Or honestly, probably the rest. Because like for him, I want to wait and see. Je- I know he's been out for a long time. He tore his ACL in the national championship game, and he's just now coming back. He hasn't been out a full year quite yet. Um, it's just, you never know how they're going to bounce back. So now he's going to have to, he's trying to bounce back from injury and then also learn how to play against NFL defenses. Which again, same kind of situation with John Watson. You're seeing it on a practice field and just like kind of witnessing because he can't practice and you know on on film is not the same thing as actually doing it in real life. I think there's going to be a learning curve here, and Jameson Williams is arguably the most talented receiver that came out of the draft. Um, I mean, I think for most people the consensus was him or Garrett Wilson, and 
he's going to be a great player. I think in the future, the Lions have an amazing one-two punch receiver with him and Amon Ross St. Brown. But in a redraft league, I personally just don't care about James Williams this year. It's too late in the year. If he pops off, he just happens comes in and immediately pops off, then I guess I'm wrong. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And if he does pop off, his roster percentage is low enough that, let's just say next week is 40%, um, or two weeks from now, if he yeah. does play, it's around 40%. You still have a good chance to get him on your lineup. Could be, yeah. I mean, if he absolutely pops off in his first game back, and then he'll be the number one waiver wire pickup of that week, you'll have to spend, spend a ton of fab on him or however much fab you have left this late in the season. Um and then I can, I'll admit I'm wrong at that point, but I just can't see him making a major impact this year. No, I'm totally with you. It, it's pretty a dynasty play for me, but I figured I'd bring him up, you know, obviously because he is finally going to uh, see the field for the first time. And it's definitely something to pay attention to, especially if you have him on dynasty. See, see how he, he performs if he does see the field. Let's talk about another wide receiver, though, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, not a rookie. OBJ. A name that, if you're not really paying attention, you might not have heard recently. Obviously, is not signed to a team. He is owned in 36% of leagues, though, because people are waiting for him to come back. 36 that's across all leagues, or like mm-hmm. all type of platforms. Specifically in Sleeper, he is owned in 51%. So the Sleeper players, shout out to us. Uh, we love Sleeper. We play that in like 90% of the leagues that we're in. Yep. Uh, apparently a lot of faith for OBJ, a.k.a. Odell Beckham Jr., if you're not familiar with the acronym. Oh, God. Uh, what are you, where have you been living at for the last eight seasons? Hey, some people don't know. I'm just trying to help him out. And uh, the big rumor right now is that he's waiting until after Thanksgiving to pick which team he's going to sign for. So you might as well just snag him up right now if you can, if you do have room on your roster. You know, it, it's... um. Do you know which teams are rumored that he's going to go to? Obviously, a contender. Yeah, so I, there's a few teams in there. Um, he's officially scheduled to meet with the Giants and Cowboys after Thanksgiving. The oh, the Giants. That'd be ironic. The reunion. Yeah, that'd yeah. be ironic. It'd be cool. But... I mean, he would immediately jump in there and be the number one receiver. Even coming off the injury, he'd be the number one guy. Yeah. It's not even in question. I think his better move would be going to somebody like, like Dallas, because um, he could fit in behind CeeDee Lamb, just similar to how he did to NLA behind Cooper Cup. So I think that would be better for him and not to come in and be the guy coming off the injury. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other guys reported, or teams report out there. There's, you know, Buffalo, um, Green Bay's been floated, but at this point in the season, that seems unlikely because they're not really a contender. Um, and I, I, Sorry, I, Jam. <laughs> yeah, he's not here, um, but he knows. He knows the Packers are not good this year, and it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Um, <clears throat> quick sidebar, not really relevant. Daniel Jones, better quarterback than Eli Manning? No. No? No. Eli t- Eli won two Super Bowls. With great defenses. He was also named MVP, I believe, of both of those. So, even with a great defense. Fine, I'll end it there. Okay. <laughs> not to mention, he has... A throw in each of those games that are arguably the greatest throws in Super Bowl history. Miracles. Miracle throws. Okay, the helmet catches miracle throw. The one to Mario Manningham on the sideline in the second Super Bowl is a perfect pass. Hey, sun shines on a dog's ass some days. Well, that sun shines and leading right to Canton. So. Yeah, well. And get that gold (laughs) jacket. Yeah, but can he run like Daniel Jones? I don't think that matters <laughs> yeah. anything. That's probably not relevant. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just bullshitting. So let's talk about uh last few guys we got here on the slate. James Cook, another running back we did like, a rookie running back in the preseason. Owned in 18% of leagues. He's coming off his career best performance with 11 carries for 86 yards. And that does seem pretty good. Until you realize, you know, all season, he's only had two games with five-plus carries. So it's very hit or miss when it comes to him playing, you know, in the Buffalo backfield. I think the bright spot of this is the fact that Devin Singletary hasn't been impressive. So if James Cook can somehow continue to prove his worth, 
at the very least, he's a extremely valuable handcuff if Devin Singletary goes down. Yeah, I don't like the fact that he's getting very little usage. He's essentially played very little in the last few weeks and last four games after the bye. They've used it more where he's averaging a little closer to a quarter of the snaps. Uh. Um, but that's not great. And with that being said, even though Singletary has been great all season, he showed flashes at the end of last year, which we were like, you know, he was kind of like, it was him and Almond Ross St. Brown kind of came out of nowhere, had these massive, um, you know, final five or six weeks. And with that being said as well, he has scored Devin Singletary 30 points to combine in the last two weeks. He's played very, very well, actually. Um, all of a sudden, Josh Allen got hurt, and they're like, hey, we actually have running backs that are, you know, have trained to run the ball. This is what they do as a living. Maybe we should give them the ball a little bit. So, I don't love James Cook as a waiver wire addition. Um, not to mention if Singletary, for whatever reason, does go down, which he hasn't really missed much in many games in his career, you also have to t- keep in mind that Naheem Hines is there as well. So, even if Singletary goes down, I think you're still going to see a pretty split backfield here. And that just makes James Cook not all that, you know, attractive to me on a waiver wire edition, especially this late in the season. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, speaking of dynasty, uh, as we have talked about quite a bit in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, someone it, it's really more of a dynasty play. But at this point, in a dynasty league, if he's not rostered already, you're just in a horrible dynasty league. I mean, yeah, it, so a lot of these guys like James Cook, like Kyron Williams, James Cook, um, Jameson Williams, those are all guys that would have been drafted in your dynasty draft, even though that's a short, you know, three, maybe four rounds, depending on how your draft, how your league is set up. They should have been drafted and just thrown on either the taxi squad or the IR list for the entire mm-hmm. season. There's no reason that someone should draft from giving up. But if they are available in your dynasty league, snatch them up quickly. Just do it. Like, that's ridiculous that they're not in there. And just be the smarter player than the rest of your league mates. Which can be easier said than done. Let's talk about Jawan Johnson. This guy, someone who I personally have been looking at as a uh, you know tight end flyer for quite a few weeks, and I have not pulled the trigger, and I continue to regret it. He is rostered in 24% of leagues. In his last five games, he has five touchdowns. And if you listen to this podcast at all, you know I'm really big on usage, but apparently it doesn't matter when it comes to Jawan <laughs> Johnson. So, you know, in his last five games, Jawan Johnson has, let me see here, 17 catches and five touchdowns. <laughs> That's a really high percentage. Well, it's extremely high it's percentage. like 30%. Yeah, and we're talking uh, 17 catches on... 22 targets. So, you know, he's catching a good majority of them. He is playing a good amount of snaps with the Saints offense, you know, averaging about, you know, let's just say three quarters of the snaps, you know, around 75%. So, um, as usual, the tight end landscape is extremely shitty. But in the last five weeks, he has four games of at least 11.2 fantasy points. Right now, he's sitting at number seven on the season without scoring a touchdown before week six. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Or even getting over 43 yards before week six. Yeah, that's tight end for you, folks. Um, That is. I mean, I feel like we say this every week, whether it's in our start sits or the waiver wire episodes, like, tight end sucks. It just does. I mean, I. There's so little depth there. I feel like we've regressed. I've mentioned this a couple times um, so far this season that tight end, running back, quarterback, I feel like there's been a large regression in the depth there in this season specifically, where it felt like the last few years they were all growing and getting better and deeper at every position, and now you're like, what the hell happened? You have guys coming out of absolutely nowhere, like a Jawan Johnson, who's a top 10 tight end that you never would even consider drafting you know, at the beginning of the year which just is crazy. So, is he touchdown dependent? Hell yeah, he is. Has he scored a shit ton of touchdowns in the last five weeks? Hell yeah, he has. So, might as well throw him in there. At least he has a high ceiling. 
And at this point in the tight end position, if you're not, you know, or in the season with tight ends, if you don't have the Travis Kelseys of the world, you're looking for somebody who just has a high ceiling because if they don't, like a baseline tight end play, I think at this point for the, you know, top 10 guys is like six points a week. It's not good. Like that's like your median, like your, you know, average score. So a guy that gives you a touchdown dependent, even if touchdown gives you a higher ceiling that way, screw it, throw him in there. Yeah, you might as well. And the recession um, obviously is hitting everything American-wise. I'm not getting <laughs> political, but it, it's hitting the tight ends. <laughs> Nothing is recession-proof. I want to bring up this interesting point. The Saints have two top 10 tight ends. Is Taysom Hill still a top 10 tight end? He's still a top 10. Based uh, on what, like two damn games? Yeah, riding off that week five performance where he had 33 points. Yeah, he has not. So he he's number nine in PPR leagues, number two in standard. And if you take away that thirty-three point game, his best game is nine. Oh, that's right. He had a fourteen-point game week one. Yeah. Well, uh, looking at sleeper right now, it doesn't show his uh, passing stats. So yeah, there's there's that. It's just crazy. But like, you take away those two games, and his best game is nine points. And he's also put up duds of one point one two point one. Uh, 1.4. He has three games of basically no production. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I know. I started him um, quite a few times and instantly regretted it. So that, that's Just, how shitty the tight end position is. Someone who had one 30-point game in week four or whatever that was. Top 10. <laughs> week five, yeah. Still a top 10. Like top oh. 10. And we're talking about games where, kind of like you said, you know, four points, one point, whatever. Garbage. So yeah, that I think uh, I think that pretty much like wraps up our episode here. Uh, is there anyone else you would like to bring up? I just want to do some quick math here regarding Taysom Hill because it's crazy. Almost forty percent of Taysom Hill's points came from that one game this season, and he's still a top ten in tight ends. That's why it sounds dumb when I say it, but if you get a tight end that's gonna get like seven, eight points, just do it. Like, you might as well just take it. If you don't have I mean, Travis Kelsey, if you don't have Mark Andrews, you're you're really just throwing a dart. Yeah, you really are. It's terrible, especially when now after like one guy who was consistent this year, Zach Ertz, is out for the rest of the year, and yep. he had a pretty good year. Dallas Godair, another guy who's been relatively consistent this year, is out for multiple weeks with a shoulder injury. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. like it's getting thinner as a week as the season goes on. It's a rough season, and if Ugh. you can get Foster Moreau while Darren Waller is out, might as well, because he's going to get you that at least six, seven points, you yeah. know, eight points, something like that. You got to take what you can get. Honestly, tight end is a worse, in my mind, I, I feel better about starting certain defenses than tight ends. <laughs> They'll probably get, In one of my leagues, I had uh, Brett Maurer, the kicker for the Cowboys. He got me 24 points. And there you go. Welcome <laughs> to 2022. Okay, you're getting a kicker that's combining for more points than your kicker in defense. So, or yeah. than your tight end in defense. But you see what I'm saying? It's bad. I mean, tight end is just ugh. With a side of ugh. <laughs> oh, it is, it, it's just a ugh buffet. Honestly, it's a bunch of garbage. But, you know, we got to start them and we got to find them. So with that being said, if you're looking for some you know tight ends to start this week, make sure you tune in on, I believe we're posting this episode on Wednesday because it's Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing our starts this week uh, early. We're going to record tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night, and it'll be up on Wednesday. Yep, all our starts this for the entire week, early and late games, will be posted Wednesday morning. So get ready for that. Uh, Obviously, we'll talk to you guys one more time before the week's over, but just want to say happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys all have a great day. Uh, win your Turkey Bowl games. Win your fantasy leagues this week. And uh, we'll talk to you guys you know, next week. But right now, obviously, we'll hear you on Wednesday as well. Yes, sir. He he pretty much said it. You know, Have a good Thanksgiving, but obviously listen to us. Uh, we're going to post this episode on Wednesday. Well, this episode is going up on Tuesday morning, but our starts of the week are going to go up on Wednesday morning. And possibly Thursday morning. We'll see if we split it up, split them up for you. But either way, we're going to take care of you. You want to hear your starts of the week for, you know, week 12? We got you. But thank you for listening to this episode for our week 12 web wire pickups. And as usual, if you haven't followed us by now, 
Follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. If you want to interact with us, we're more than cool with it. Send us a question, follow us, all that kind of good stuff. And we will react, you know, and give you our opinions. What else am I missing here? Um, oh, yeah, make sure you like and subscribe. <laughs> On whatever you're listening to on right, whatever you're listening to on right now, and uh, rate us, give us five stars if you're feeling frisky, which you are. I know you are. Give us five stars. Just be a nice person. And with that being said, we will see you on Wednesday morning with our stars of the week for Thanksgiving weekend. Have a good Thanksgiving. Don't fight your family at dinner. Um, and if so, make sure you win. Thank you for listening. Bye.